thing on. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Cut. I'm your host, Christian Williams, and I am here, as always, with Randy Hall. Randy, how are you, man? Doing good. Uh, had another day of kind of basically driving around the whole city of Milwaukee, strangely. So, fun, adventurous, places I've never been to. So That sounds fun. Yeah, I also drove around Columbus, so we had a very similar work day today, and... Uh, you know, it's that's sports for you, right? And we exactly both in, in the midst of some seasons. So, uh, and we talk about sports on this podcast. We talk about football specifically, and uh, we are going to talk through some late round sleepers. We're also going to give a bit of a preseason recap. But first, we have some league news to discuss. Uh, we're going to start on kind of a sad and Pretty terrifying note. Uh, Brian Robinson, the commander's rookie running back who had won the job from Antonio Gibson, was shot in an armed robbery attempt yesterday. Um, actually, right after their preseason game, I want to say, correct? Like, they, they played. Pretty similar, yeah. Yeah, like, a, it was like a couple hours later. Um, most are projecting that he will be out for most of the season. The gunshot wounds are not life-threatening, but they were to his glute, and I believe his lower leg is what what the report came through as. It's interesting because there was just a debate. We just talked about it last week about Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and what that outlook was. What do you think the commanders are going to do now? Is it is it Gibson or are they bringing in a guy? I mean, it's Gibson. Uh, like okay. Gibson was always going to be kind of involved anyway, so... I think it's just strictly Gibson and McKissick now. And depending on what they're hearing, maybe they bring in somebody like Sony Michelle or, you know, someone to kind of help carry some of the load as like a pure runner uh, where McKissick can't really do that. So we'll see with that. But I mean, I would expect him to be out at least half the year. I mean, like, I get it. Like, it's not like he like completely like tore something, but we really don't know the extent of, you know, the injury now and they didn't put him on season in the IR, but I don't think they would yet. Like they're still trying to figure it out and get cleared and yeah. see how, you know, surgeries go and everything. So I don't, I don't envision this completely taking him out for the year, but it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, uh, we're very glad he's okay. Uh, we, yes, we jumped yes. right into the football aspect of it. This sucks, and um, it, it was very, very dumb, and you just hoped for a speedy recovery, and uh, you hope to see him on a football field this year because he was he was looking good. And as someone who – like, we were not Brian Robinson fans, but when you flip on the preseason game, it looks like he might have cut weight from college. Uh, he looked yeah. a little more nimble, and um, it's just a bummer. I, I hope he's able to return before the end of the season. Yeah, the worst – the not the worst case because I think this is the worst case, but 
for football reasons, what may suck for him is this team is going to be really bad and he might not be ready till week 12 or 13 and they might just shut him down. Uh, You know, just let him practice obviously and continue to get healthy and work through it. But there's going to be most likely like no reason to rush him back or, you know, play in the last three games except for more like, Hey, well, he's back, you know, kind of like a positive end of the season kind of thing. So right. I'm not sure, you know, that's good and all, but I, I think that's a little bit of uh, almost like bad, bad taste marketing from a team. So I don't really like that stuff. Usually it's the commanders. They're known for that. It's true. Uh, so we'll see. And Ron Rivera is not very good with some of this stuff, but I will say Ron Rivera, the whole commanders, uh, Brass, like the GM, his family, like they all saw him in the hospital last night, which was cool. Um, but yeah, just a bummer and happened probably in the middle of some people having their fantasy drafts. So if you drafted over the weekend, like, I mean, it sucks. You wasted a pick probably because there's no reason to stash Brian Robinson in, in redraft leagues right now. So Another guy that there is no reason to stash, in my opinion, in redraft leagues, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He was extended, restructured. He's just pretty much taking a what it boils down to be is a one-year $6.25 million deal with a no-trade clause, so he kind of gets to dictate where his next move is to be the 49ers backup. Um, it sounds like there were no trade suitors, no trade partners, they didn't want to cut him because they know that their rival Seattle Seahawks were probably going to sign him because he is better than Gino and Drew Locke. Uh, and so this is kind of a move that allows them to or allows him to kind of pick where his next destination is while he gets to remain with a job on the team. Randy, do you think he is going to take Trey Lance's job this year? No, not at all. Okay. I think he still gets traded this year. Like just too. now this like it kind of like um it extends the window so mm-hmm. now they have to the trade deadline he has a little bit more of a team friendly contract and now it's a little bit personal friendly to him as well and it's also incentivizes him to get out of the 49ers organization to get more of the incentives in the deal so i do think the trade happens i you know at this point the suitors I mean, the Browns would probably be the name one because um, they're not going to trade to Seattle. So the Browns would probably be the name one if – I think there was a chance for the Jets as well, depending on, you know, if there was a setback with Zach Wilson, but it doesn't seem like that's happening, so they're probably out unless something else happens. So at that point, you're at injuries, so we can't predict that, so I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The first starting quarterback that goes down, I think Jimmy would welcome a trade. I think he wants to play. I think, too, obviously fantasy Twitter went kind of nuts about this, and the football world kind of did because some people and Mike Silver kind of suggested that this is the 49ers hedging their bet on Trey Lance. I don't see it as that really at all. I think what it is is you have a backup that knows the system, so if Trey Lance were to get hurt today, you know you have a guy that can go start the season I, they've done it they they know that he's not going to take snaps away from trey lance they're committed to trey lance he was the third overall pick there's 
the whole Tua Ryan Fitzpatrick thing that I've seen kind of tossed out there, that's not going to happen in San Francisco. I think people tend to forget that the 49ers mortgaged their future for Trey Lance. They, they yeah. trade three first round picks for Trey Lance. Yeah. Uh, he's their guy. Yeah. You can't Plans hedge that. You can't hedge that with there's, a Jimmy yeah, there's Garoppolo no backup deal. Like that's, you can't. Your, your hedge is trading Jimmy G. Right. To try like hopefully for a second or something. Like that's the hedge. Yeah. <laughs> like Trey Lance is the quarterback for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch for better or worse. If he doesn't work out, there's a good chance both most likely both are looking for new jobs. And yeah. I don't see that happening. <laughs> I think uh, they're, they're going to put everything in place around it and make sure that doesn't happen for obvious reasons. And Shanahan's a good play caller, especially schematically. Uh, we know what he can do with the running quarterback. And that's what Trey Lance is probably one of the best ones out there. So just yeah. plain and simple without even playing an NFL, you know, full game yet. Yeah. Well, he's gotten a couple. Two, yeah. Two total. They but still. Count. <laughs> yeah. And he got better every snap he was out there for what it's worth. I think yeah. Trey Lance is fine. Um, don't, don't panic folks. Uh, Alexander Madison is being shopped around the league. Apparently at least 12 suitors were calling the Vikings to see what, what they were looking for in a potential deal. Madison, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was outplayed. Uh, what I will say is I think the Vikings feel pretty good about Kenny Nwangwu and Ty Chandler behind Dalvin Cook to the point that they know that capitalizing on what Alexander Madison can offer in a trade back uh, or what they'll get in a trade back for him uh, would supersede him just being Dalvin Cook's backup. So um, yeah. I think, too, I, I, I think there are quite a few teams that he makes sense for. What would be your favorite fantasy landing spot for Madison right now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have one. Like, <laughs> I'm mine pretty, be, like... Mine would be the Saints as the power back with Kamara. Mark because Ingram it, has looked good. He has, but I don't trust it for a full season. And That's I also, fair. I just I, don't, like... For that regard, like, the Chargers are my favorite. If, if I'm using him as a pure power back guy... And change yeah. of pays, like that's where I would want him. Um, I think for that same reason, I think Buffalo would be kind of exciting because I think he would have a chance of kind of taking over the backfield more than anyone else in that backfield this year, at least. Um, technically, Commanders make sense now, but that's not going to happen. No. You know, being the no. NFC, I doubt that it. They would probably have to pay up. And I just don't see it happening, especially with trading for other people recently. Um, well, and really and any yeah. trade for Madison is essentially saying we're going to extend him and have him be our uh, main piece because he's on his last year of his rookie deal. So depending, I mean, if you trade a third, I think that's what that means. But if you trade a fifth, then it's kind of like okay, well, let's see if he's worth it. He. His extension would be cheaper than any other running back we'd extend, you know, sign. Right. Just because he hasn't had a full prove it, you know. So it's kind of like that. Like obviously, I don't want him going to Houston because Damian Pierce. I I don't I don't think there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that he wouldn't make sense at. So yeah, just because they have two backs already or more. Yeah. 
My my other favorite, the Panthers are wheeling and dealing right now. I think the Panthers to be the power back behind McCaffrey. He's way he's better than Chuba Hubbard, but they seem to really like Chuba he, and he's a better power back than Chuba. I agree. Um, yeah, I think Chuba in the role that they want him in is possibly better from what we've seen. I mean, Madison's been an okay pass catcher, but they also have. Deontay I want to say Foreman, <laughs> uh, who is more of a power back there. That they, I think they like that trio. So it's, it, again, it's it's a it's an okay landing spot, but it's like, does it work perfectly? Probably not. There's only a few that it works like perfectly, but if there's that many people reaching out, there's a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing to monitor. I think too, a, a Ty Chandler, Nwangwu, I I think they're pretty decent dynasty stashes right now so if you're playing in dynasty leagues and they're out there go scoop them especially chandler uh nuong is probably already on a roster for what it's worth but yeah um okay lavisca chanel we just talked about the panthers lavisca chanel is actually the backup running back there uh he was traded to the carolina panthers the worst 100 target season in recent memory he had 100 targets last year no one cares about it uh even his own team didn't care about it and said see you later bud um, fantasy relevance? No, 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 no. Okay, good. Glad we're on the same page there. Uh, I would argue that he's Shy Smith's backup, uh, and just insurance if one of their top four receivers go down. So, uh, Geno Smith won the Seattle starting job because Drew Locke imploded after. So he threw an interception, then he came back with a, a dime dime touchdown and then he had the worst uh couple quarters of his life i think because he had a chance to go out there and win the job and he failed to do so so geno smith is the starter uh for week one for week one i i would uh, be shocked if that flips by week five yeah they were very specific in saying he was the starter for week one Uh, he was the starter for the season and moving forward it was right. he's the starter for week one after this week. <laughs> so and to be fair, week two, Geno Smith had an awful game. Week three, Drew Luck had an awful game. So yeah. it, they're both kind of trading, you know, like, well, no, you look bad on TV. No, you look bad on TV. <laughs> so I don't really know what's going on, which also sucks because they have a plethora of weapons and a rebuilding offensive line with some promising pieces and some good running backs. So Whoever's actually starting has a chance to at least be, you know, not necessarily fantasy relevant, but they can move the ball. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think this seems kind of bad all around. And if I'm expecting as a team to possibly have to throw it more in the second half, I want Drew Locke because that's the only way you're getting back in the game. Yeah, I agree. I will say, though, <clears throat> their rookie offensive linemen have played – outstanding in the preseason abraham lucas and charles cross have looked phenomenal and that makes sense it's crazy what happens when you put athletic offensive linemen that can move really well into a system that requires offensive linemen to be athletic and move really well Uh, or just invest in the offensive line at all in the draft yeah they did a good job three young high potential linemen obviously one's been drafted for a couple years but still yeah it's it's looking up, even if the quarterback situation isn't fixed there. But yeah, which it will be next year. They have two firsts, so they're going to make things happen. I think. Yeah, and it's always better to have everything else figured out and then plan a quarterback in a good situation 
a la Bengals. Uh, you know, it's it's happened multiple, multiple times. Chargers. Yeah. Chargers. Yeah. They had to fix the Kinda. line too, but. And the defense. They weren't in the best situation, but. Um, okay. Last piece of news before we get to a preseason recap of sorts. Sonny Michelle was cut today. He looked pretty bad in the preseason, which I found to be interesting. Uh, he ran for almost a thousand yards last year and was the leading rusher on the Super Bowl winning team last year. Uh, so very strange. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed. I think that what this is, is Mostert looks so good in the preseason that it was a, a battle between those two and Mostert clearly won it. He looks fast, healthy, yeah. all the above. So um, I'm more surprised that they cut him and so far I've kept uh, Gaskin and oh, Gaskin and Ahmed. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, I don't, th- I, first of all, I don't think they keep both of those guys anyways. Like I, I think one of them is definitely gone. And to me, that's um, Savan Ahmed because yeah, it, you know, at least Gaskin's a bit of do it all back. So we'll see how it goes, but crazy. Well, I think, I think they will roster four, and I think it's Zaquandre White, who also has looked good in the preseason, uh, and they drafted him in the seventh. So cheap, if this is the 49ers model, uh, White could just be their RB3, and they'll be good with that. So we'll see what happens. But I think Sonny Michelle's going to find a job for what it's worth. Yeah, just I mean, obviously we had, it's going to wait for uh, – Madison's market. It's going to wait for Hunt's market. It's got or Deion or Dearness Johnson for that matter. Uh, Damian like Harris too, maybe. Damian Harris possibly. Um, pretty much any other running back that actually has name value, their market would go first easily. Which I think at this point, Damian Harris is probably off any kind of market with the injuries they've had in that running back room. I think it's going to be a 50-50 timeshare there, just pure split. For sure. All right. Uh, let's get to a preseason recap. Um, we kind of just took some some hot topic news items. We've probably talked about these a little bit, so we're kind of going to go through these fairly quickly before we get to some sleepers. Uh, for the sleeper section, we're going to go kind of position by position, talk about why we think this could be a good late round pick. Really, we're going anything 10th and, and past that. But first, Preseason recap, uh, it's worth noting, and I typed this first, of course, but Justin Fields had a, an outstanding preseason that is kind of going under-discussed because of all of the you know hate pieces that have been written about the Bears and Justin Fields and what that offense can be. But that new offense is showing off all of Justin Fields' strengths. He is capitalizing. I believe he went 20 of 30 in the preseason. Uh, it looked fantastic against the Browns this past weekend. So, uh, what were you going to say? You. I was going to say along with that, uh, the new offense seems to look a lot like the old offense and the fact that they're using one back named David Montgomery. Uh, with yeah. the starters out there, Khalil Herbert rotated in for a grand total of two snaps after Montgomery's a little tired. Uh, so uh, while I think there is some value there still, obviously I, I think we're going to get the same old kind of workhorse running back role from here uh, with, even though we kind of already talked about the guy, uh, I think Herbert's going to be a little bit like Alexander Madison and, you know, be a very good backup that never matters unless the guy gets hurt. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, we've been people overdraft Madison every year for the same thing, man. 
It's true. I, I'm i still curious to see it because that was the first run that Montgomery's had in the preseason. So you wonder if like this was, okay, Herbert got the first game fully. I think he got a little bit of the second game, but then Montgomery got most of the third game. Um, I, I, Montgomery's leading the backfield no matter what. Like Herbert was yeah. never going to overtake Montgomery. I do think Herbert works in a little bit more. Um but Montgomery's a better pass catcher too. I mean, that's the thing. Like Montgomery is very much so a three down back. So it, it it's interesting. I don't think Getzi's had really a guy like this in his previous no. play calling career. So well, and you have so little pass catchers. You, you like to have your yeah. running back not really be a good pass catcher out there for even 30% of the snaps is gonna be difficult because you're I mean, you're basically saying he's gonna block or run. Or take, you know, a swing pass, which... And Herbert can't even catch those sometimes, so <laughs> he's, he's got pretty bad hands. So, um, yeah, it's a, that's that's a good note, good good pickup. We didn't we didn't even put that in here. You're just off the, off the top of your head, man. I like Monty. Yeah, I know you do. I do, too. I, I just, I, I'm interested to see what this looks like. All right, next piece of hot, hot news. I don't know. Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco, I keep calling him Pacheco. Uh, he's the hot name, but it's kind of looking like Jarek McKinnon might be the pass catching back. This is all behind Clyde edwards Lair. I know that Pacheco has gotten some work. He's looked kind of explosive. He's very much so a project running back. He doesn't really know how to play the position. I think it's worth noting that we're not going to talk about him on our sleepers, right? You don't no. have any interest in talking about him? Uh, no, he, he's had a good camp. He's looked good a lot of times, but... He is still very much a project back, and he is, I mean, he's an older project back, so that that does not bode well. Uh, You know, at this point, (laughs) I haven't seen enough to say that his career won't amount to, you know, much more than, you know, Daryl and Damian Williams, you know, just guys that become a good backup in a couple of years after they've been in. And uh, we talked about him too much. And uh, I, I know I, there was multiple Pacheco owners trying to bail out over the last two weeks, trying to get a second out of him or something. It's because you saw what was going on. Clyde is by far the best back. McKinnon was by far the second best back we saw, especially all around, which is what the Chiefs need. They don't need just a guy running at the middle the whole time. Yeah, and I would even argue that while Pacheco flashed the speed, the burst, and all that stuff, I would argue that on a running back basis, Ronald Jones was still better than him when he was out there. A a good amount of time, especially vision-wise. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's another guy I hope finds a role because I think he's getting cut if he he hasn't already while we're on this. Yeah, he probably won't. Uh, Speaking of uh, old backs that need to develop, uh, we're going to jump down to a quarterback, but Malik Willis. People went a little nuts after his third preseason game. Um, he finished the, the the preseason completing less than 60% of his passes. Uh, he threw two touchdowns and an interception. He was fun to watch, though. He runs the ball, and he runs fast, and those were all the things that we kind of knew he could do. There are people comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. There are people saying that he should overtake Ryan Tannehill. It's, it's wild out here. Uh, even in Dynasty, I think right now is is prime sell Malik Willis time because if you can ride this hype 
and kind of get out of it if you have him, it it does not look good from a passing standpoint. He has a long, long way to go. Are you selling Malik Willis right now? Do you have do you think there's a chance that he starts a game this year if Tannehill doesn't get hurt? No, because they're the Titans are a good team and they're gonna right. be well, I don't think they're necessarily like a, a strong wild card contender. Like they would obviously be fighting, but uh, they're in an all-out blood battle with the Colts for this division. And I don't see them, you know, being down enough that it would matter to make a change to the guard. I think Malik Willis is getting way overvalued right now. So I guess if you're getting – I mean, what would you – be willing to sell them for like a, I, it would be first plus for me because there's a chance Malik Willis is the starting quarterback of the Titans next year, and if that happens, he's worth easily a first plus because starting quarterbacks are worth the first easy. So, and a guy with rushing upside is easily first plus. So, if I'm not getting that value, I'm not trading him. I, I think an accurate representation of what we saw this preseason would be kind of rookie year Jalen Hurts to where. We saw what we wanted on the ground. We know he's that dynamic and that special, and he can run it. But we saw very, very inaccurate plays at the quarterback position as an actual passer. And, well, I think Willis, uh, you know, showed a little bit better arm talent than Hurts necessarily uh, all the time, especially college and rookie year. Uh, He was supposed to be, you know, his best case, a little bit more accurate version of you know Lamar Jackson as like a final form you know and I don't think he's anywhere near that by the way but I don't think we've seen anywhere close to that and even like Lamar's worst season I think he's been a little bit better accuracy so it's it's really bad and you can't you can't replicate Lamar on the ground even though Malik is kind of close it's just he's he's damn close. That that's the one thing. I said he's kind of close. Yeah when, yeah. when Michael Vick says shit, I don't think I could do that. I'm gonna let Lamar just be the top yeah. of the tier. <laughs> yes, fair <laughs> just enough. Just say <laughs> bulked up Lamar so, is gonna be terrifying for DBs. This year. It's yeah, be crazy. So that's um, kind of more of my like. I think there's a lot of upside to Malik, but we have do not think you've seen enough that he's gonna ever touch the field this year. That's the thing. So, like, I would hedge my bet that he, the Titans are going to be too good to go get a really good quarterback next year, I think. They're going to yeah. be mid, at, at worst middle of the pack. The Titans are better than they were last year uh, on on defense, maybe not on offense, A.J. Brown, uh, on defense. Their defense was a top 10 unit last year, and they were the number one seed in the AFC last year. People forget this. I know it was because of, you know, a lot of different circumstances, and they probably didn't deserve that. They didn't play like it. And Tannehill was bad, but I just think that the Titans are going to be in the middle of the pack, so that's where you see a path for Malik starting. But if he plays anywhere in the what we just season, they will go out and they will sign a veteran, and even if they want to move off Tannehill. But I think they would then just stay in hell. And so... It's, that's where I would have and say, well, I'll get 20 seconds knowing I can probably get a starting like wide receiver two range, personally. Um, but also, I know that like, that's risky because he does become a starter. And I, I sold too early and I get it, but it's just a situation. I, I'm, I, I don't have any Malik though, so for what it's worth. Yeah. 
it's just that's my thing. Like, if any quarterback on my roster is a starting quarterback, even if it's a backup that became a starter, I'm getting at least a second for that guy to trade him. So a guy that has shown promise and does have a clear path to become the starter next year, uh, obviously there's many things that could change that. But as of right now, contract-wise and hierarchy in the, in the you know the organization, he has a clear path to become the starter next year. And arguably what we've seen from Tannehill, Malik could do that, you know, with a, with a year of seasoning um, and provide more effort on the ground. So, which could open up a bit more of Derrick Henry on his last leg of his career. So it, it does work out, theoretically. And that rushing upside does mean he's going to be a top 15 quarterback, most likely, even if he's kind of dog shit through the air. I'll let Jalen Hurts for at least the first year and kind of last year a bit at times. At times. Definitely sure. improved. But so that's kind of my point. Like it's going to take a good amount for me to move on from him now because this is not his peak value. In okay. my if he if there's a chance he starts, this is not his peak value. But then wouldn't you argue? So say the Titans then do go out, they move on from Tannehill, but they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, for example. Which net net negative, I think. I think Tannehill's better than Garoppolo for what it's worth. Um, for what they especially want, especially for this offense. But but that's the thing, though. If they bring in Jimmy G, I think most people going into the year are think going to be hyping up Malik to take the job. Yeah, because of what he does on the ground. So I think yeah. you'd still get more than you would right now. That's, that's why right. it would it would be a first plus at least for me to. What about really Baker? even consider it? Baker instead of Jimmy G next year. Could be, but I mean, I mean, I just sold Baker for what a lot. Baker and two thirds for two firsts. Yeah, it's a very good trade. Well done, um, but also a fair trade. All right, uh, next piece of of news: um, teams have very different approaches to the preseason now, which wasn't always the case. There was always kind of that uh, dress rehearsal thing. This year, the Vikings, for example, sat thirty three players they sat all of their starters and pretty much all of their their immediate second string that are going to be important a lot of teams chose to do that some teams did throw their starters out there for a little bit um i just find it interesting i i wonder what the preseason looks like moving forward they've already cut a game i assume when they add another game they're going to cut a second preseason game um once we get to an 18 game season um noteworthy i think did you have any thoughts on this? No, I, I think it completely makes sense. Um, it's there was no there was nobody that's in position battles or we needed to see stuff for or the teams needed to see stuff for that didn't play. You know, it, it was all your first teamers pretty much, but a lot of teams still threw out the first team, especially if they're a little bit new look offenses like the Chiefs. They they ran a first team two of the three weeks, I believe, uh, at least for a drive or two. So there's a lot of that. I mean, like, it, the, and then there's teams like the Bills who saw everyone, including Isaiah McKenzie, who's like their clear slot now. They're like, well, he's not touching the field too. So it, it, it kind of answered a lot of questions for us. And I think we're going to get a little bit of that both ways. But we saw a lot more sitting from playoff teams last year than we did the teams that were kind of struggling. And I think that makes more sense because – maybe that extra week worth of rest is going to make all the difference because 
you're trying to fight when you're that good of a team, you're just trying to fight injuries at this point because the Bills are making the playoffs. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it, it's going to take injuries for them not to make it. Just plain and simple, in my opinion. So yeah. it's a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, it, I, I'd rather, I would rather my studs not get hurt in the preseason too. So yeah, I really don't sure. care. Yeah, like Deontay Johnson getting banged up in the final preseason game. That making sucks. A, making a fucking Mike Williams fantastic ass catch. That literally, yeah, I was like, was oh my god, best. he's Mike Williams, but much smaller. Holy yeah, fuck, much smaller. Well, <laughs> well, catch. He literally did the Mike Williams of like, well, I think I might die here, but I'm catching this fucking ball. Yeah. And then he died, but he's okay. He is okay. Yeah, and TJ Watt got hurt in that game. Just crazy. Yeah. Um, Which I don't know. Like TJ should not have played. See, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Why was he like, out there? Deontay playing, it kind of makes sense because you're you're doing a quarterback battle. TJ right. Watt should not have played. No, I don't. That's care. insane. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, next one, uh, Marcus Mariota looked good enough to keep Ritter on the bench. Uh, our my my friend Jeff Bell is covering the Falcons for his training camp reports, and he keeps telling me that Mariota is going to start uh, it probably for the full season unless he gets hurt. I do think that their the report came out that they want Ritter. They do want to see Ritter at some point in 2022. But if the Falcons are winning football games and have a chance in the NFC to be a wild card team, I know you shake your head. I mean, two weeks left. They only had seven wins. I understand. But with two weeks left, they were still battling. The NFC is still pretty bad. I think there's a shot that Mariota just gets the full season and they have to evaluate Ritter on the fly. But if that's the case, then they're, not high enough to get a, a top five pick probably. Right. So then you might be rolling with Ritter at that point for a year. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, this team's not good. Um, a, a lot of this team's wins last year was just Matt Ryan, literally just gunslinging it and barely getting the win. And a lot, they actually could have won more games last year. They lost a lot of close games as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this team is worse than it was last year with uh, at least veteran-wise. Like, obviously, you had in Drake London. I think the receiving core is a little bit better. But you still lost Russell Gage, too, which would have made this better. You lost Ridley, which would have made this better. Um, I, the offensive line is a bit worse. And it, I don't. I think the running back room is better, but barely. Uh, and it's really just because you have young legs in yeah. Algier. <laughs> And he's not even starting technically at this. Like, no, still I mean he's gonna. Play. He's he's he well. He's start. He's not gonna start. But he's gonna play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it that's the kind of thing. And I think you got a decent backup tight end, but and you know, it's just one of those like. And the defense lost. You know, the linebacker D line. You know, it, it it's not like a perfect transition. And I think Matt Ryan gave this team a lot more wins than they should have had last year. Uh, I think Mariota won't be able to sling it like that. Uh, no, and he can't. We know that. It, I, I just don't – I don't think they're in playoff race, especially like week 13. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, well, fuck it. You know, let's throw Redder out there. And yeah. they do have a very late bye too at week 14. Well, shoot, and and honestly, even if they're in somewhat of a playoff race, that's still a good time to throw Ritter in because then you know, like you know, if this is the guy, he's going to lead us to the playoffs. Here, we've got four games left. Let's do it. You know, something like that. Um, 
It, de- it depends on what they think they are, though. And I don't, I don't know what they think they are. I think they should have tanked harder, personally. But yeah, but they're failing at that. So, uh, Damian Pierce looks like the best rookie pick. He is gonna start for the Texans Week One. Lovey Smith refused to say that today for competitive advantage. I mean, come on, man. He's a, he's an old coach. Yeah, yeah, we know. Um, but he looked absolutely fantastic the other night, and he has throughout the entire preseason. We knew this. We were very high on Damian Pierce. I let I, – I don't, I don't know why I ranked him so low when I actually put out my rookie rankings after he was in my top, like, five or six in uh, my my draft rankings. Yeah, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to yeah, stop doing that. I think you got a little bit of Texans bias there, and you, what you should have done the opposite. It's <laughs> been like, oh, shit. It's just Marlon Mack. Okay, well, yeah. you could probably beat that. Which he has, and and that's actually not to say that Mac has looked bad because he really hasn't. It's just he's looked good too. Pierce has looked electric, whereas Mac has kind of looked efficient more of it. So yeah. that's I I I think both get a run. It's just if Pierce continues this, he is easily just taking the whole backfield. Yeah. Whereas like the start, it's going to be a little bit more of a split. Would you draft Pierce, knowing what we know now, in the first round of a rookie draft now? I'm trying to think what the back end of the first was. Jameis Williams. Jameson was a little bit earlier pick, too. Pick Pickens, Sky Moore. I still think I take him behind that. Me too. Yeah. Just basically because all the wide receivers are high drafted. So and wide receivers have a longer, you know, term outlook. And while Damian Pierce has looked really good, uh, that does not necessarily deter the Texans from getting another running back sometime the next year. So whether it's free agency on a cheap deal or the draft. So it's just yeah. how it is. I think they're going to draft Bijan Robinson next year and it's going to kill everyone who has Pierce. It, it feels like such a Texans move to say, Hey, we're going to draft a first round running back. You know why? Cause we have the Browns first too. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it, it's tough to do that with the roster they have. Oh, I know. That's the problem. <laughs> I I feel like they won't care. But also, if Pierce is that good, they won't. So it, it's interesting. I think yeah, I'd still but, take him in the second at this point. Yeah. I, I I think he he was kind of like middle or back end of the second. I think he's like firmly like 201, you know, like or very back end of the first, depending on team need. I'd draft him before Pickett still. I don't care. I, I wouldn't I do that. I understand. Uh, <laughs> There's insulated value with quarterbacks, but I just I again, don't want Pickett on my team. Again, if Pickett starts, he's worth the first plus. So yeah. Hey, you could maybe get that. I saw Pierce go for that recently. So let's roll. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Uh, speaking of what we thought would be a first round rookie pick, Isaiah Spiller lost out his competition to be the backup running back for the Chargers. And he is operating as third and sometimes fourth string behind Larry Roundtree. Joshua Kelly is the backup and looks to be the power back for the Chargers. Uh, it, it's kind of a bummer. I, I hope that Spiller does. Yeah, Kevin knows. Uh, Pickett is trash, Andy. He knows. He so he is trash. 
I didn't say that. <laughs> but you could trade Sam Darnold last year for a first in most leagues. So I'm just That's fucking true. saying. <laughs> it's true. The starting quarterback's worth the first. I don't know what to say. It's true. Uh, back to Isaiah Spiller. Do you think that his value is like toast if Kelly keeps this job all year? Like, no. You... I mean, his value this year is completely toast right now um, because he, uh, even if Twitter did say he's RB1, um, I, he is the better compliment in this backfield to Eckler, not just because of, like, obviously Kelly has shown kind of better in between tackles right now, but the, I mean, the the best time for this running back and like this running back in the last ten years was uh, Eckler and Melvin Gordon, where both could catch passes. But you know, Melvin Gordon was better in between the tackles, and obviously, Spiller can catch passes. So, I think he is eventually the RB two. It's just I think the injury kind of took him out of the race, and maybe by the end of the year he's increased to that role. But I don't think Kelly's a long stay for this team, and neither is Roundtree. So I would rather have Spiller than uh, Kelly right now. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm just a little bummed. Either way, Eckler could finish as the RB1 because I'm not inspired by any of these guys. And... He could, but then again, there's Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara. And DeAndre, so for what it's worth. Um... And Alvin Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wanted to throw him in there. Uh, Dude. Okay. <laughs> That's that's uh, so quickly because we didn't put it on here. The Saints' offense, when they kind of had their dress rehearsal this last week, looked fucking good, and it it's was carried crazy. by Kamara, who, if you look at the box score, didn't look as good. But if you actually watched it, he had multiple plays get called back for penalties where he just absolutely killed it. Yeah, he looks electric. This offense looks good. It looks like they're gonna feature him and let the wide receivers be more of a compliment, which is good because Michael Thomas. It's going to take some time to get back to form, I think. And obviously, Olave is getting used to the league. Landry, kind of the same getting back to form. He did not look like himself last year. Seen some decent things in the preseason. But this offense is carried through Kamara. And while Ingram did have two touchdowns, I believe, in the preseason game, one of them was because Kamara literally ran for like 40 yards and got dragged down. Yeah. <laughs> and he literally had taken out. That's going to happen. Uh, we've had multiple top end running backs. Say in the past, like, no, if, if you run for 40 to get stopped, you need that break. Yeah. <laughs> we rotate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've been in on the Saints. I, I'm in on the Saints to make the playoffs pretty easily because I think their defense is still really freaking good, yeah. too. It's going to be close. It's, it, they're, they're a fringe team for me. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, quickly, these last three, we'll couple the next two. Uh, both Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett look like low level starters. They're operating a very safe offense, and it seems like they do not want to go away from it. I think Matt Canada sucks as an offensive coordinator because I think if you can't open up the third level of the field, which they knew they couldn't if they drafted Pickett, uh, I, I just don't see what the upside of this offense is. I think it's going to hurt Najee Harris, who also has a Liz Frank injury that he's recovering from, which we didn't even put in the news because it was such a one-off he, weird comment. Uh, yeah, where He played. In the like, I know there's no way he plays if it's that bad, but that's why we left it off. But yeah, yeah this and into the third level comment, you have, I mean, Deontay can get open deep, obviously, but Claypool and Pickens excel getting open <laughs> deep and excel as jump ball receivers. And if you can't make that an efficient part of your offense, 
this is going to be Deontay being the top 12 receiver again because he's going to absolutely dominate what this offense looks like so far. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting. I think they're going to get creative with Claypool. I do think that Pickens is a, a good receiver. The hype never really stopped for, for Pickens. That's the next item. Probably should have in just looking at what the quarterbacks are. And Mitchell Trubisky is going to start week one. All signs are pointing to that. I think that's the better of the two options still right now. Um, but I really don't see much difference and don't see why they wouldn't just roll with Pickett at this point. Because if you're going to run this stupid safe offense, then just do it with your rookie and let him get reps, I guess. It's my yeah. Idea. Well, yeah, it, it's weird. It's almost <sighs> – it's almost like a point of like uh, you kind of promised him the job, so you're giving yeah. him the shot, and then if he doesn't play well, you're like, well, there's the rookie. Um, so, quick question: So sure. through the preseason and everything, who's a better blocker, Pickens or Claypool? Not not one off push on the opposite side of the ball. Yeah, just a better I mean, blocker. I mean, I would argue Claypool. In, in general, but I also think that Pickens, when engaged, can be one of the best blocking receivers in the NFL. So that's going to be his biggest thing because Claypool is more of a schemed-up player. He's a high-impact player, so he gets open the same way Pickens does deep as well and can make the plays like Pickens can. Uh, and he can work inside, whereas Pickens can't. So – that's where Pickens is going to get snaps, in my opinion, is blocking if he can consistently win that. Because Deontay's not coming off the field. Because you know, no, no. he's just never coming off unless he needs a break. So um, and you're not gonna just put Pickens in to block because then you're like, okay, well it's a run. So even though obviously he can go deep, but so if he can continue to build on that blocking and that intensity, that's gonna win him more snaps which will obviously increase his fantasy output because he's got more chance and make Claypool a little bit more irrelevant, except for probably touchdown saving, you know, yeah. for a lot of weeks where he's obviously still going to be schemed up in the red zone because he's very good in multiple assets there. How, how often is this team in the red zone, man? That's what, that's where like, I man. think they move. Um, like, I, I think they get first downs most drives. I just don't know if it's, you know, four, five, you know, six yeah. touchdown. It's – I think they get one or two most drives. Just because Najee is going to – he's going to get – He's going to average just 3.2 a carry, and that's going to be enough to yeah. get 10 yards on three downs uh, pretty Deontay much. Deontay can catch a ball for five yards any play as long as the ball is in his area. Uh, yeah. That's his yeah, hands are the same as last year, not the year before. Um, yeah. I think you're you're just hoping that the defense puts them in optimal positions, though, because I don't yeah. think they're leading too many 75 yard touchdown drives. Like, I think they're no. a field goal kicking team. Um, yes. Which is, you know, um, as, you know, Browns fans uh, can still win games. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen that a lot of the last couple of years. Yes, we have. Uh, you have to make the field goals, though, for what it's worth. Uh, 49ers backfield. Um, a lot of people are kind of in a, in a panic about Elijah Mitchell. He had a soft tissue injury. We talked about that last week, so I won't harp on that. But it's very much still his backfield. But Trey Sermon seems to have won the RB2 role. 
came to camp, John Lynch said that he was the the best player in camp. Uh, beat reporters don't agree. I it, it's it's a very strange thing happening in 49ers camp. I don't know that all of the beat reporters know what they're looking for in their their number two running back, but um, it's interesting. It, Trey Sermon's going to make our sleepers list because I, I am intrigued by the injury opportunity. If if I mean, you want the the 49ers RB one. If Mitchell were to go down with an injury, I think Sermon's the guy, and that's yeah, easy. Which is what he was drafted to do. The Ty Davis Price pick obviously scared people. He looks to be the RB three or even four right now. Although he he looked good, everyone looks good in that scheme, so it's not yeah. worth noting. Um, okay, anything else from the preseason that you want to discuss? I guess like uh, Browns offense hundred percent looks bad, um, atrocious, so bad. Uh, it would help with Nick Chubb for what it's worth. It would. Yeah, um, Raiders offense looks efficient as hell, so that should be really good for fantasy. Um, Brady's back, did not look energetic in the press conference as a guy that was off for you know two weeks, so I think something uh looked ill. Um, like, yeah, in case, like he may have like just had COVID or something. I don't, I don't he know, may what's going have, on but I, I really don't know. Um, he also could have just had something really, you know, not great in his personal life. And, you know, a lot of Which times people aren't, you know, working out or eating or, you know, doing a lot of stuff during that time. And I assume that's kind of what it is. Obviously, I don't want to pry any further than that. Not that I, well, not that I really could. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, well, it's, it's, it's something of note. It's a lot of the camp hasn't looked great in Tampa. They've had a lot of line issues, and then Brady kind of leaving, quote unquote, planned, but also mysteriously, it's yeah. it's not the best camp coming out from the Bucks. But there's so much talent, it won't matter. Like they're going to make the playoffs. It's just if they're actual contenders or not is the question. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to our late round sleepers now. Not all of these guys are worthy of a 10th round pick uh, we will kind of discuss kind of where these guys are, are going for what it's worth and we're kind of gonna power through them. we have a lot of names for you and we'll give some justification for why they're on our list uh there are a few that maybe randy put on here or i put on here that we don't agree with for example khalil herbert i'll start with him i do think that khalil herbert is worth a a late round draft pick you can pretty much get him in the 15th 16th 17th uh depending yeah. on how many rounds you have um, and ultimately he's one Montgomery injury away from a massive workload because the bears offense will try to run the ball a lot. And their offensive line is set up to where the running back should be efficient. I, I do. I have a lot of stock in this bears offense being good. Um, obviously with, with my belief in Justin Fields, but I think Herbert has a chance here. So the reason I'm against Herbert is I don't, I don't, pick people in this range for injury. I just don't. Um, I don't pick my own handcuffs. I don't do any of that shit. Um, I want someone that has value now and that, you know, can keep growing in value depending on how the season goes. So like Trey Sermon, uh, who is also kind of in that range, um, he is showing interest in having value during the year no matter what, 
because he's taken an RB2. There's a chance that he gets they give the RB2 a little bit more work than they did last year because they're actually healthy this year, uh, even if Mitchell deserves the whole role. Um, so there's a chance he gets some run no matter what. And Khalil Herbert is going to get some plays, but he'll never he's never taking snaps from Montgomery. Whereas Sermon could legitimately take snaps from Mitchell because he's running well and they feed the hot hand. They're, Montgomery is going to keep coming back in the field because he's a better three down back, which is what this offense desperately needs this year with limited pass catchers. I agree to an I think if they are moving the ball, running the ball with Herbert on the field and they aren't getting to third down, I think that there's a chance that they do ride the hot hand too in Chicago where they give Herbert a series. Um, how much value that has though? I don't know. Um, exactly. And if you're drafting Herbert thinking, Hey, what injury he's an RB two for me every week, then you're less likely, especially, you know, we're talking redraft here. You're way less likely to cut him then. And yeah. that's not what I want on the back end of my bench. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's go to what we both agree on. Jerick McCann, is that a good one to, to go with? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about Jerick McCann? Why you like him? Later? Yeah, uh, he's becoming like a predominant pass catching back. He ran okay during the playoffs last year and the season, but he was really electric through the passing game. Obviously, there's so much going on with Clyde last year that we're kind of just throwing it at the window to a certain extent. Um, he's looked better this year. We're expecting better things from him. But McKinnon's basically locked himself in as the RB2 and as a pass-catching RB2. So I think that has a good potential flex role every week. And then again, this is what I'm talking about. If, if Clyde gets hurt, hurt, McKinnon is the starting running back with Pacheco rotating in. There's not a split. It's McKinnon's the starter. So that's – I think he gets some passing down work every game, and then he has a chance at an increased role. And I think uh, – I mean, I would say, like, I would have J.D. McKissick kind of in that same breath, um, whereas especially now with the Brian Robinson, there's two backs here. We've seen this already, J.D. McKissick – is a valuable fantasy option, plain and simple. And, you know, if Gibson is not doing well or he is banged up, McKissick is an an absolute must-start because he's basically the only back. And obviously I think in that scenario they have another back there, but he is going to get all of the work and all the passing work in that situation. And that's kind of the, you know, again, some passing work each week and then high upside. And there's other guys here with that, but, yeah, the, those two I kind of equate similarly, except one is the Chiefs, one is the Commanders. Right. And no, that's uh, that's a good point as well. Just kind of going along those same lines of talking about the pass catching backs, Naeem Hines is probably, uh, once again, one of my favorite late round uh, looks. He's obviously going a little higher than those guys that we just talked about. Um, you can get McKinnon in the last round. You can get McKissick in the last round. Um, it, Hines is going in like the 13th, 14th range. Most places that I've seen is that around where you, you see him as well? Uh, so on Sleeper, he is ADP 130. So that's, you know, late 12th, 13th round, depending on your, yeah, uh, 
or 12th, 13th round, depending on your league size. I think he's probably the best actual running back and fantasy player on this list, uh, for, especially for this year, with the only argument being James Robinson, who we'll just leap into there. Um, he has looked healthy. <laughs> he has looked kind of bursty, but not to his full extent yet. So I think he's playing week one, and I think he's this is a split backfield with, I would assume, ETN uh, getting more predominantly the pass load. Because uh, Robinson is a good pass-catching back, but it's a little bit along the lines of uh, Fournette, where it's like, well, he got passes. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, he, he caught him and yeah. he ran for a couple yards. So uh, I think he's going to get a lot of work, and it's going to be pure 50-50. But, like, Hines is going to get 30% of the work, 40%, like, of the snaps. And he's yeah. going to get, you know, 90% of the passing snaps because – He's very good. All the talk out of campus, he's by far, he's looking great. And they're going to use him efficiently this year, especially while they're trying to flesh out the wide receiver two role, which we'll get into. Um, so I think those two are the the highest picks here as well. They're 10th, 11th, 12th round. Uh, but they also offer immediate flex play right away. Yeah. Another guy I think that's true for, Rashad White. I know most people don't think this is true. I understand. But Rashad White offers so much more than Leonard Fournette. I under- the Bucks ran Fournette with the first team exclusively. But we know what the Bucks do with rookies, and, and it may just take a few more weeks. Rashad White has looked good pass blocking. Um, but when he starts to get on the field as the third down back, which I think could be as early as week one, that is an immediate flex play. The pass catching back in a Brady led offense is an immediate flex play. And then you couple in that he looked really good running the ball, and I think he is the RB2 over Keyshawn Vaughn. So, Well, that's kind of what I was expected there. <laughs> I don't want to just cut him off if he was kind of talking, but he kind of froze on my screen, so he kind of took off there. Uh, he was kind of expecting some weather, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm not quite sure all what he got out there, but uh, Rashad White is a phenomenal pass catcher, phenomenal blocker. I think he is taking over there the RB2 role, and I think he'll be a more consistent passing option for this offense. Uh, especially in the second half of the year, which Brady is going to love. So I think he is definitely maybe not early in the season flex play, but he will be a flex play for most of the season, I would say. Um, another rookie, Tyler Algier, we kind of talked about. Cordell Patterson is starting back. He's going to be used a lot, but Algier is the young legs, and he's actually looked not as – like he's not Pierce level, but he's looked really good. So 
I think he continues to gain more of a role, uh, which is a fun transition because Kenneth Gainwell is also here who's going, I mean, pick 148. I mean, 14th round. Um, he is getting a lot of high-value touches in camp. So to me, that is a big thing. And I really want that, uh, especially if he's getting a lot of the red zone touches. That's why, like, Sanders had a 1,000 yards or whatever, but no touchdowns. We're all expecting him to get, you know, a big uptick in that department. But if he doesn't and that all goes to game well, that's a good flex player for you because he's just continually getting more touches. And whether it's, you know, not the same level, like the amount of touches, if he's getting high value touches and uh, a good proportion of them each week, that's going to work well. Um, quickly, Daryl Henderson's looks good. He's looking a little bit more healthy. This is going to be a split backfield with Cam Akers be the lead. He's a high-value handcuff with some big league flex peel. Uh, that's, I mean, we have Jamal Williams and Zamir White. They all, they might get work. Uh, Jamal Williams, more than anything, he's a team leader and he's looked really good. So he's going to get some carries. But for me, uh, that's a very late and deep league stash and playable person there. Uh, I'm going to kind of quickly go through some of these receivers. Again, I think Christian may be done, but I'm going to try and work through it otherwise. Um, so Sky Moore, obviously a top-level rookie with a top-level offense, but he has gotten zero starting snaps so far. So that's a guy I think it's definitely a top option late in the draft, but it's it's definitely a little bit higher risk. He is going a little bit higher as well. Um, I think he's barely, I don't even think he's necessarily 10th plus round. Like, I think he's like ninth round as well. So you're going to have to pay up for him. Uh, Romeo Dubs, another rookie getting talked about a lot. There's some connections. He's having some lunches with Rogers. I still don't see him as a top value target uh, for a while, just because of how this Packers offense usually works out. Um, so I think he's a good pick and, hold and you should be able to play him in the flex in the second half of the season uh robert woods 10th round he's a lock for me in the 10th round easy there's no question he's a lot of shooter one of a team he's great uh josh palmer and kj osborne we've talked about a ton on here they're you know second or their third options on their teams but they're looking great it's high value offenses these are great you know late stash wide receivers that could play in your flex on a given week, and again, an, ups, an injury just boosts them to easy wide receiver two there. Uh, it, more like Jahan Dotson, Jamie, Jameson Williams, Alec Pierce, Wondell Robinson, all are getting a lot of work, or, you know, Jameson Williams' case, he's going to get a lot of work when he's back. Wondell Robinson looks like the slot receiver for the Giants, whatever that matters. Uh, Alec Pierce is working as a good wide receiver two of this team, uh, whereas also Paris Campbell's fighting for that role. So we'll see how that goes necessarily. Uh, in my opinion, I think Pierce ends up winning the two jobs. So I think he takes a lot of that. But Paris Campbell has been electric when he's been on the field, So which this offense desperately needs. Uh, I don't know what happened there, buddy. But I, I've kind of ran yeah. through. I ran through the rest of the backs. I've ran through a lot of these receivers. Um, okay. Just kind of going. So what I'll do, so my internet went out really badly to where I had to restart my, my router and everything. True. So I apologize for that. Thank you for keeping it afloat. 
the receivers that I assume you haven't talked about are the two at the bottom here, Sterling Shepard, Zay Jones. Have not. Wonderful. Sterling Shepard, very good, still very good. Uh, Coming off an Achilles injury, activated last week, still working his way back. I think in the same vein as Wandale Robinson, I think you're just kind of searching for the PPR upside of uh, the Giants offense. Have you talked about Wandale yet? So I just kind of went over him quickly. So he's kind of uh, won through camp. He's won the slot position rule for this Mm -hmm. team. Shepard has not been a part of that camp, though. Uh, and Shepard is a slot receiver. So uh, it, it's kind of a weird, you know, dichotomy there of this team is clearly working for the future and having Tony and Robinson being the absolute focal points of this offense because Galladay is dog shit at this point. He's, uh, <laughs> he's all done. Uh, having them, along with Saquon, obviously, being the focal point of this offense is a smart way to build for the future. Um, but I think Shepard's so good that he just gets reps, and he I think he probably gets offloaded after some parts of this year because uh, yeah. he's just so talented. Like, every time he's played, he's been by far the best player, uh, you know, in the receiving quarter of the Giants, and he's been a startable flex option for us every week. He was a DFS darling for us over the last two years. So I absolutely love Sterling Shepard. I just think they're trying to force him out almost. Um, yeah. But that also is an upside because if he does go somewhere that needs receiver help, he will be a top-level target for them. Um, speaking of slot role winning, Isaiah McKenzie, I kind of brought up, he's the slot receiver for the Bills. That last year was Beasley who got 100 targets quietly on 80 catches or something like that, and there are 100-plus targets and 80 catches. Uh, McKenzie is obviously a little bit more explosive than that, and with a better wide receiver too now with – uh, Gabe Davis, while there might not be like 130 targets here for him, I think there's a lot of upside for a deep stash of Mike, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I think it's worth noting, too, that the slot receiver is the wide receiver, too, in the old offense, uh, in, in the offense that Brian Dable ran, which Brian Dable over in, in New York now calling plays for Wandale or Sterling Shepard. So, yeah, um, which is why they're on the list. <laughs> Right. Yeah, for sure. And the only reason why they're on the list. For sure, for sure. Um, um, I, I agree with Mackenzie. I was going to mention Zay Jones, um, kind of a forgotten name. If the Jaguars' offense is going to be good, um, it, it, I still don't think that the defense is going to be so dominant that they don't have to throw the ball. Uh, they will filter through their tight ends. Uh, they will filter through their running backs. Christian Kirk is going to dominate the target share, but the second leading target getter in the wide receiver room is probably going to be Zay Jones. They signed him to a pretty big deal. They signed him away from uh, the Raiders. Uh, I think that he was actually pretty good last year. He's had a couple of good years in the NFL, and I think that people are just kind of overlooking what he could be for that team this year. With your last pick, why not? Go see what he is week one and then cut him if you need to. Yeah, and he's kind of been, I would argue, he's been the second best receiver through camp so far. Um, yeah. With Marvin Jones kind of just being a consistent, like, possession short option, uh, yeah. Say Jones is definitely more of a deep threat. And I think this offense needs to have those explosive options. And having him and Kirk on the field at all times is the explosive options, plain and yeah. simple. Um, the only ones I didn't cover Nico Collins. Um, he should be the wide receiver two of this offense. 
won't get a lot of top end, you know, coverage or anything. We just, it's an upside play, it's a flex play late. We just haven't seen a lot from them. There's some talent there, uh, and there's some touchdown upside there. If they are a little bit better offense and can move the ball a little bit better, he is the bigger body. Uh, him and Brevin Jordan would be fighting for those red zone opportunities more than, you know, um, wow, more than Brandon Cooks. There we are. Um, yeah. And then Michael Gallup and DJ Chark are the only other two I didn't really go over. DJ Chark has looked good. Um, we've Man. talked about multiple times that he is going to be a, most, a good chance to have a flex option for you for the first part of the year, at least the first half, and maybe the whole season. Uh, it's the Jameson Williams that gives you some, you know, back play on that. Whereas when he's back, I think they do try and force some targets there. Uh, and that would obviously hurt Chark because they would basically play the same role. But Chark may be playing well enough that they don't do that. So, which from camp we've seen. And then Michael Gallup, I, I mean, he will be. He might play week one. I don't think he plays week one, and honestly, I don't think he plays the first couple of games, um, just because I don't think there's any need to rush him back. But he'll be the, you know, target two or target three of this offense, and this offense desperately needs it, and he will get a lot of targets. He will be a flex option every week. Yeah. There's no question. I yeah. think you're getting a discount, and honestly, in a redraft, you're probably able to put him on an IR spot, so you get an extra discount, an extra value for picking him. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll kick over to tight ends, and I can carry for a second here. I'll talk about the the two that I put on here since you carried for a solid five to ten minutes. Um, <laughs> Brevin Jordan, we just talked about him uh, with Nico Collins. I actually feel like the Texans' offense is going to move. Uh, we kind of saw what their run game can be, and we know that that was kind of happening without Brandon Cooks out there being the, the dude that he is. Brandon Cooks, I have him as a wide receiver one. He's my... My A1 this year, I believe, is what I said last week. I don't even remember at this point. It's been a long week. But uh, Brevin Jordan could also be a a beneficiary of the Titan or the Texans moving the ball because he is very good inside the 10 specifically. But inside the red zone, he's, he's a very good move tight end. Um, he's technically the tight end two in this offense behind Farrell Brown. Farrell Brown is going to be blocking quite a bit. And that means that they're going to be able to use Brevin Jordan in pass catching situations. I think he's a pretty good, I, I think I have him inside my top 15 tight ends and there's a chance that he works his way into a tight end one season. What that means, who knows. But And, and Brevin Jordan is a good after the catch guy, especially at the tight end position. So yeah. he, again, I, <laughs> there's a good chance that Brevin Jordan, uh, Brandon Cooks, Damian Pierce, and Davis Mills to some extent, Nico Collins to some extent as well, are all decent fantasy options, especially as, you know, secondary with Brandon Cooks obviously being uh, an elite wide receiver too, but the rest being, you know, flex options or, you know, QB3 for you in a super flex with Mills, but a high-end one maybe. Um, this offense is going to be better than a lot of people think. I don't think this team loses 30-7 to most weeks. I, I, I think they – just get outscored because this defense is not good. It's just yeah. not. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then my other one was Noah Fant. I think that Noah Fant hasn't been used in the preseason with Geno Smith a whole lot, and I understand why you might be a little concerned about that. 
but I do think that this offense has not really shown exactly what it wants to be, which is it all the way an outside zone rushing attack that also thrives on play action. It thrives on play action rollouts and it thrives on crossing routes. And I think Tyler Lockett specifically and Noah Fant are the two that are going to capitalize off those crossers because they're Noah Fant specifically is really, really good after the catch. And so getting him the ball in space, they're going to figure it out eventually. I think Disley's going to be on the field quite a bit still. I, I think they're going to run a yeah. lot of 12 personnel. Um, they really it's, only have two receivers. It's their, best, it's their best set. Yeah, they have two yeah. receivers. They have two good tight ends. And, you know, and you have rookie tackles. So it makes more sense to be a 12 personnel anyways. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we haven't seen this offense even close unlocked. No pun I actually intended there because they haven't had either running back that is in contention for starters. Obviously, Penny is a starter, but, you know, Walker is viewed as possibly the future of this team. He hasn't been there either. So we really have gotten, you know, the the guys competing for RB3 out there every week. So they really haven't been able to run the ball much. And it's relying on these quarterbacks to do more. And that's why they both look terrible a lot of times, honestly, because neither of these guys can lead a team to a victory. They can manage a team to a victory, uh, yeah. which we've seen multiple times from both of them, but they definitely cannot lead a team. And I mean, as much as we, you know, love Lark's like arm talent, he's now lost two quarterback battles when he easily could have won them. So yeah. whether he deserved to lose him or not, doesn't matter. Uh, I think he's, you know, going to be a career backup after this, just like Gino is. Uh, which is why, but a lot of those guys end up dumping down on the tight end a lot, trying to get extra yards, and fans the type of guy to do it. And when you have the running backs that can actually move the ball, the play action can actually work. Yeah. Um, and for, for what it's worth, everyone is off of Fant right now. You can draft him with your last pick. I just did it in a draft last night, um, and I feel good about it. Despite, you know, I, there is some concern that they use Disley as the primary pass catching tight end, but they have to know that they're going to need no, they explosives. Disley is not the expl- he, he's a good receiver, uh, but he's not fan after the catch. And I think that they're going to get the ball in space and let their pass catchers do their thing. So I'm all honestly, in on Brevin Jordan and Noah fan, man. Yeah. Um, and honestly, these four tight ends, I'll cover the next two here. Um, but these, as well as Robert Tunyon, are, you know, these are five guys to where, Surprise. you know, you could literally, if you don't get one of these top six or if you're if you're one of the people who say top three um, tight ends because, you know, with Kittle and Waller having some injury issues here and there, um, if you don't get them, just it's better for me just to punt a lot of the times. And if I'm doing that, I want – David Njoku, I want Irv Smith, I want Brevin Jordan, I want Noah Fant, I want Robert Tunney, I want two of them. Gives me two shots for one of them to break out. If neither of them break out, then I'm just, I'm working the waiver wire tight end, which is efficient anyways, if you don't have one of the top ones, which you're going to do. So for me, I think David Njoku obviously has been basically controlling fighting for targets most years and needing to improve with his hands, which he kind of did last year. Not great, but he's improved with his blocking tremendously, which is big for the scheme. Uh, and there's why they paid him to be the starting tight end. So I do think he gets used on like the last high paid tight end of this offense. And then Earth Smith is the only tight end in his offense. While they do have three good receivers, this offense needs a good tight end. And Earth Smith has been poised to break out in this offense 
for two years now. And injuries stopped it last year. I think he was going to be a tight end one. I think he's a tight end one this year if it continues like that, especially if this offense does lean to the pass more, it's better for Smith. Um, and obviously I love Brevin Jordan, Noah Fane as well, and Robert Tunyon is my A1. So I, I think all five are fantastic sleeper slash value tight ends because that's what sleepers are. At this point, there is no sleepers. Uh, <laughs> there's too much information out there for real sleepers to exist. Um, for sure. uh, except Zay Jones, I think. that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um yeah, I, I agree, especially I, – I think quickly on the Irv Smith front, I think if one of Thielen, Jefferson, or Osborne were to go down, Irv Smith then assumes a role that gets him in the top 12 every week. Um, yes. I, I don't know that he produces that way with all of them healthy, but we've kind of seen what Thielen is at this point in his career. Uh, Jefferson hasn't had any injury. Uh, bad luck. But I, I think it's worth noting that, like, if that happens, you have a guaranteed top 12 tight end, which is not something you can say about all these guys even on this list. So No. So quickly, because I, I actually skipped over him because we talked about him a little bit earlier. Raheem Mostert is going undrafted most places. He's going pick 182 on Sleeper, which I believe is undrafted even in 12 teams um, yeah. in 16 rounds. It'd be really close. But math. I'm not doing that at 11 o'clock at night. Um, so with Mostert, he's looked good. Obviously, Chase Edmonds has looked really good, and he's clearly the one. But Mostert will have a clear role in this offense as a between-the-tackles guy and getting a lot of work that way. Uh, Edmonds is going to be you know, a true like pass-catching, inside-outside, come back. And well, I think uh, Edmonds is clearly an RB2 and, you know, the best running back to have in this team. I think Mostert is a flex option for you, and you're getting him for free. And that is incredible. Uh, they cut Sonny Michelle because Mostert looks so good. If he does get hurt, whatever, what did you lose, in my opinion? But he is a great asset to have, especially if you get a guy like, you know, like if you're drafting more of those uh, – possibly injury-prone backs, you know, per se, like McCaffrey or Barkley or, I mean, the list goes on with them. But if you're needing another back late and you're not going to want a lot of these backs in that round, you know, at the 16th round, you're really not looking at any of the backs there um, unless you're reaching for some guy that maybe wins because of injury where Moser doesn't need an injury to win. For sure. Uh, so I think that'll do it. Is there anyone else you wanted to add or no? No. Okay, sweet. Uh, we won't talk about She-Hulk. We are watching She-Hulk as it goes along. Episode two was okay. It was fine. Um, it's. I need to see where it's going. I heard that uh, the internet will break this week on the post credit scene for what it's worth. So um, We shall see. It, it's very – it's a weird show. Uh <laughs> I think there's a lot of like potential, and they're trying to do a lot at, at once, which has yeah. kind of led to, I would say, some sloppy writing for the first two episodes. But again, it's two of multiple, so yeah. we'll, we'll see how each episode goes. I Go still ahead. struggle. I struggle with the CGI, man. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. So uh, you feel bad for the the visual effects they, workers, but like, it it's tough when you. 
do you have a, like a strong like female lead, obviously being She-Hulk, and then you make such a point to kind of go over, kind of brush over some like important like issues with women, and then at the same time you try to pretty up a Hulk to an extent. I mean, basically yeah. perfect makeup for a Hulk and perfect. It's also perfect, it's also like, a comic perfect thing. Hair. And it's like I, I know it's just like. Nikki and I have have had the same conversation though. The hair, they they didn't need to do the hair, man. Like they yeah. could have left her hair because her hair is, it, it's it's fine. It, it fits her better. Yeah, it looks so strange and it's green. And I, they didn't do a good job with the, the effects. So no, so it's, a it's bummer. It, yeah, it's like I said, the the writing's a little weird. A lot of a lot of the. the female issue stuff which is you know very important to talk about it's just it seemed forced at times and yeah. it, it did kind of if you look through the you know internet and tiktok and everything it did kind of come across the wrong way for a lot of people uh yeah. which is you know never great but yeah. apparently it gets better everyone i've seen that's actually seen the whole thing so far like not just the two episodes but I actually got obviously the early release of it I just yeah. love the series so uh, even if they said sometimes the first couple weren't as great. So I, I do expect some good things. Me too. Hopefully Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday. Then, sorry, there's so many shows that are out right now. That I forget I which days are which. Yeah, we need to get Randy on House of the Dragon. I'm all in. Um, <sighs> we'll see. Also watch The Bear, and I highly recommend it. If anyone is listening has not watched The Bear, it's one of the best uh, eight-episode series that I've watched in a long, long time. Um it's that good. So, um, okay. I think that'll do it. We've been, we're, we're going too long probably. So yeah. Um, next week will be our week one preview. We will talk through the Thursday night football game and just kind of give, uh, I, I don't know what else we're going to do, but I assume that we'll talk about the week one games. Cause that makes sense. Yeah. So. Week one Thursday night preview, um, starts this probably. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We might. I, I feel like maybe it's time to to change up the start sits in a, in a way that's a little different from how we've done it. But we'll we'll come up with something. Um, get creative, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I don't really have an idea for it just yet. But. Uh, college football started last week, but for real starts this week. Ohio State versus Notre Dame should be really good. Uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of key games this week, and a lot of top end talent on display. And we talked about Brandon Cooks a lot in this episode. Josh Downs is Brandon Cooks uh, reincarnated. So I uh, can't wait to get into draft takes. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> yes, going to be fun. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of The Cut. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, leave us a review if you feel so inclined. We will be back on Monday talking through week one of the NFL. It is here. Football is here. Good luck with your drafts. This is the last week to draft. I have a lot going this week, so – um, well, maybe or early next week as well, but um, good luck with everything. Feel free to hit us up at C Williams NFL on Twitter at our hall NFL on Twitter as well. Uh, you can hit the podcast DMS, but I can't guarantee that I will see them. So DM me or Randy instead, please. Um, outside of that, we will talk to you next week for Randy Hall. I'm Christian Williams. We'll talk to you then later. <laughs>